Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. It's hour number two of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's a Thursday. It's May 18th. Bob Camp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Let's get things in hour number two started with the poll question. So let's reset the scene with today's KDOS1060.com poll question, which features... Uh, the happenings in the Western Conference Finals, game number two tonight, 5.30 p.m. between the Lakers and the Nuggets. So who do you have? ATS in game two, Lakers plus five and a half or Nuggets minus five and a half. Nuggets out in front, uh, 70% of the vote, Lakers trailing at 30%. First time the Lakers have been behind in the playoff series the uh, this particular postseason. So see how they respond to that. You know, they were kind of going the every other game thing. Uh, in the previous series when they actually got the lead against Memphis and got the lead against Golden State. Uh, so a little different scenario that they're, you know, they're chasing a game right off the bat in this series. Uh, so we will answer this question in detail around 11.30 today. Still time for you to cast your vote. Over on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060, after the Heat took game one of this Celtics series, do you now expect the Heat to win the series against the Celtics? And yes, leads the way at 54.5% of the vote. No trailing at 45.5%. Yeah, I think it's taken a little while for... Uh, Folks to uh, come around in the heat. Obviously, you know they were another number eight seed, and uh, I believe I heard them say last night that if they re- reach the finals, they'd be the second eight seed to ever reach the finals. I have no idea. I, this is probably an obvious answer that I should know. I don't know who the other number eight seed was that reached the finals, but uh, they would be number two uh, according to what I heard on NBA TV last night. Well, I'll try to do some research on that, but you would have to think that uh, they would be the first play-in number eight seed to reach the NBA Finals. That's true. Yeah, well, that's that doesn't take you as much as long to research as it would have been three years of the play-in, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm liking I'm liking your chances there. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Uh, so I will hopefully get back to you all with an answer on the other number eight seed to reach the NBA Finals. We'll answer this question in totality, though, around 1130 today. Your calls, if you'd like to join the show around 1115, the number is always to reach us, 602-260-1060. Switching to some Major League Baseball topics, the Diamondbacks, they picked up a 5-3 to three win over the A's yesterday afternoon. Ryan Nelson got the start. Five and a third innings pitched, one hit, four walks, six strikeouts. It's his best start of the season to date. I don't want to come at this from a negative perspective, uh, but I do want to get your, I guess, analysis about how we should view this particular start. Uh, It was against the Oakland A's. So should we look at it that it was against the A's 
or should we look at it that it was against the A's, he still put up good numbers, this could potentially be a springboard for him into his next start? I'm going to go with the it was against the Oakland A's thing. I mean, he walked four guys again, including three in the in the one the, his last inning. Um, I'm not buying it. They were zero and five. The Diamondbacks in his previous five starts, they just uh, they don't really have alternatives. Apparently, they keep bringing Frias up, and he's not any good. Uh, there's no way that this dude should be pitching in the major leagues. In Frias's case. And I don't really think there's a lot of teams as bad as starting pitching is, as far as uh, you know, not just the quality, but you know, you know, you know, basically there's so many pitching injuries right now in Major League Baseball. To say that you know, you, somebody should not be a member of a starting rotation in any staff in baseball is probably an incorrect statement. But it's hard to believe that they can't do better than Nelson as far as a member of the rotation. But you know, the Diamondbacks pitching staff, they've got like three or four guys in totality between rotation and in the, in the bullpen that should not be pitching in the major leagues, at least right now. Uh, Corbin Carroll, he smashed a 405-foot home run to center in the sixth. That marks his sixth home run of the season. And it got me thinking about just Corbin Carroll in general and how much speed he has. We haven't checked in in a while about the stolen bases uh, and just how that's been going for him, the Diamondbacks, and how it's been going across Major League Baseball. He has 10 stolen bases on the season. So how does that stack up against everyone else in the league? Estery Ruiz from the A's actually leads with 20. Ronald Acuna Jr. from the Braves has 18 and then a tie for third Wander Franco with the Rays Jazz Chisholm with the Marlins and Jihan Bay with the Pirates have 14 Corbin Carroll actually ranks 14th with his 10 stolen bases so far this season from a team perspective here the Pirates lead the way with 50 stolen bases the Rays at 47 the Guardians in third at 43 the A's in fourth at 42 the Orioles in fifth at 41st and the Diamondbacks are tied for ninth and 34 with 34 stolen bases so for you watching an array of major league baseball games as often as you do do you continue to notice the number of stolen bases as much as we did early on in the season or as the season's going on is it just kind of filing into the way the game's being played it, the numbers have declined especially the diamondbacks i mean they were second in stolen bases two three weeks ago and uh, Luis Gonzalez mentioned this a couple of times during the last two games of the series. He was doing the games for Brenly in Oakland. Brenly's, <laughs> I guess he's got seniority. I'm not going to Oakland. I don't need to watch those guys play. Uh, but anyway, uh, but you know, the Diamondbacks, their numbers are down stolen base-wise. There were opportunities, including with Corbin Carroll a couple of times. It was kind of, it was mystifying. And Gonzalez brought it up at the time. Why isn't he running? And Steve agreed with him, too. That uh, It seemed uh, you know, there was no reason for him not to go. So I'm not sure what's going on there. There is no question that there is more strategy involved to try to uh, slow down the running game, whether it be more trips to the mound. And remember, there's been a limit on trips to the mound for several years now, but you know, and whether it's the disengagement from the rubber where you have the X number of times you're allowed to do that per you know, bat, etc. But clearly, uh, for the most part, not every team, but most for the most part, 
uh, the running game, collectively speaking, there's no question numerically that the stolen bases are down from the start of the season. Uh, the Diamondbacks are off today before they face the Pirates tomorrow. Looking back at other games from last night and yesterday, the Dodgers beat the Twins 7-3, to but problems. Dustin May only pitched one inning and left the game with right elbow pain. He might miss at least a month, according to Dave Roberts, with a flexor pronator strain. Uh, and this is obviously a bit concerning because Dustin May has had Tommy John surgery. My question for you, uh, for how the, the, the Dodgers are positioned to be able to handle Dustin May, who's been pitching really well to start this season, missing his absence for at least a month. Are they in a position to, uh, I guess, withstand that? Well, they are in the division because the division, quite frankly, sucks so far, other than the Diamondbacks. The, the Padres are in fourth place. They're a game out of being a dead last behind Colorado at this point. Uh, the Padres just lost a series at home to the Royals. And the Padres, they might be without Manny Machado for a while. Now it turns out he has a broken bone in his wrist. And the thing that was, they called it day-to-day when this happened on Monday night when he got hit by the pitch. He's obviously going to be out longer than that. Uh, so we'll see what happens. They haven't put them on the injured list yet. They don't play today, so don't expect some kind of transaction today with Machado. But back to the May thing, not only has he had Tommy John surgery, he had it within the last two years. Uh, and obviously he missed a large portion of last season coming back from the Tommy John surgery. They have Walker Bueller coming back from Tommy John surgery from last year. He's not expected to pitch until at least after the All-Star break and there's speculation and when he returns this year, it might even be as uh, somebody in the bullpen, it might be like a closer as opposed to a starting pitcher. So they've got two minor league prospects that are highly thought of and they're going to need those guys at some point here. But as far as just competing in the NL West right now, unless you think the Diamondbacks are a playoff team, the, the Dodgers should be fine as far as competing in the division. You mentioned the Padres. They lost to the Royals, lost the series. The Royals beat them 4-3 to three yesterday, so the Padres slide to 20-24. and 24. And to your point, Manny Machado now has a small fracture in his left hand and may require a stint on the injured list. As for the game, you Darvish, five and a third innings pitch, six hits, four runs, two walks, six strikeouts, one home run. I have a question about mindset and perspective here. If you're a team like the Padres who had the preseason expectations that you did, as great as they were, the payroll is as high as it is, uh, and the season has not started off according to plan, how do you avoid the mindset of individual guys going out there thinking, you know, this, I have to do something to step up. I have to be the person that changes changes how we play the game, which then maybe leads itself to more mistakes and instead stay within the structure of the team. Bob Melvin would like to know that. And uh, the usual uh, the usual mild-mannered Bob Melvin lost it last week, publicly criticizing his team, which he almost never does. Of course, we, you know, I don't remember. I remember one time when he was the Diamondbacks manager over a number of years they lost a game at Milwaukee. He was so so upset with his team that he he refused to eat, even meet the media after the game to talk about it. But as opposed to not talking, he had no problem talking last week. But you know their pitching has been okay, um, probably even better than okay. 
their defense has actually been pretty good with the exception of corner outfield. But, you know, that's something that's just not going to change because they got guys that can't play corner outfield, whether it be, you know, you know, you know Soto or Carpenter or whoever they're throwing out there. Even I, I, Maybe I should back off on that a little bit because Tatis has actually been pretty good at right field. Uh, but yeah, defensively, they've been okay. Pitching's been okay. They can't hit. Uh, and they've now scored three runs or less in 19 games this season so far. 19 of what, 40-some games, they've scored three runs or less. And that clearly, and they, they're dead last in baseball entering this week. And I can't imagine this has changed the last three days because they haven't done much offensively in those games. But they're dead last in baseball with uh, the batting average with runners in scoring position. They are 30th out of 30 teams. That's not good, considering what that top of the order is supposed to be. Correct. Uh, and actually, they, that's something that I keep waiting for Melvin to change. I and mean, I didn't look at the lineup yesterday, so maybe they did yesterday. But uh, speaking of the top of the order, I think that actually Tatis should be hitting in the middle of the order or a little further down the order because uh, the, the end of the, the there's seven, eight, nine guys who have been awful. Uh, so when Tatis is actually, you know, obviously the, the start the game that he's a leadoff hitter, but after that he's not. I can't imagine he's hitting it with runners on base very often, and he's hit he's hitting the ball fine. He's not not, not part of the problem offensively. Uh, so maybe part of the solution would be moving him down the order while he has uh, give him the giving him the opportunity to hit with more runners on base. Other games from yesterday, you had the Blue Jays beating the Yankees 3-0, and they will play once again today. Nestor Cortez, 3-2, 5.53 ERA, 42 strikeouts for the Yankees against Jose Barrios, 3-3, uh, 4.70 ERA, 44 strikeouts. Yeah, interesting pitching matchup. Cortez, I thought, was the luckiest pitcher in baseball last year, uh, and he was uh, pretty fortunate. You know, I I have Nestor Cortez in an American League only team, so I'm kind of we're kind of screwed. We got we're stuck with him. He's not good. I think he's just an average pitcher who was the luckiest pitcher in baseball last year, and was luckiest pitcher in baseball to start this season. Seemed like uh, there's an inordinate. Maybe this is because he he hasn't even pitched fast. He's been a, a pitch clock violation dude. Uh, I don't even know if there's a place that has the list of that. He's got to be amongst the guys that have been penalized the most for pitch clock violations to start the season because uh, he's just can, he seems, seems to be somewhat confused as to what the actual process is and what the pitch clock is actually entails and so forth. But he's not good, um, and I think the luck is just kind of running out with him. I think he's an average at best pitcher. And then you know, Barrios is just like a complete mystery. I mean, he was tremendous when he was in Minnesota. Pretty good when they traded him at the trade deadline now two seasons ago, uh, to, to three seasons ago, to Toronto. Uh, they gave him a long-term contract extension. He was absolutely horrible last year. And it uh, depends on what day you're getting uh, Barrios this year. He's either dominant like you would, uh, you know, you've seen before, and really the majority of his career he's been dominant or awful, which we've seen for basically part of two seasons now. So who knows what's going to happen there when he's out there. 
The other game I wanted to touch on, the Mets beating the Rays 8-7 to last night. Uh, the Mets are sending Tyler Megill uh, to the mound, 4-2, 4.02 ERA, 31 strikeouts. And Taj Bradley for the Rays, 3-0, 3.52 ERA and 23 strikeouts. Uh, they're playing right now. It's 2-1 to uh, at the end of four and a half innings. Uh, and uh, this is a really interesting game for a couple of reasons. Uh, McGill is very – he's a U of A guy. McGill um, helped them uh, – I think they won the national championship when he was there. If not, they got to the College World Series and might have lost that season when they got to the championship game and lost. But, yeah, he, uh, he he's an interesting dude, and they need him because the rest of the rotation's been either injured or underperforming. Uh, the other side of this, though, is, is Taj Bradley. Uh, he is the – top prospect the top pitching prospect in the Rays organization and that's saying something because they always have you know good pitchers and so forth but the fact that they're running out of pitchers which we've talked about frequently here the last couple of weeks and they've got you know one guy out you know, you know obviously for the season and then Tommy John and another one maybe headed that direction uh they need Taz Bradley they actually he started the season in the major leagues. I, mean, well, I might be wrong about that. If he didn't start the season in the major leagues, he was up rather quickly. And then he had a couple of not great starts, and they sent him down, and there was speculation that they were sending him down because of service time, etc. They wanted to you know, extend his, you know, his arbitration clock, which is something that happens frequently in baseball, unfortunately because they haven't changed the rule yet, even though they put a couple little of addendum in, addendums in to make it, you know, give the teams incentive to leave these guys at the major league level, but whatever. And then he was really bad in a couple of minor league starts, but they're, they're uh, desperate is maybe a strong word, but he's getting another opportunity, and I think this is a really big start for not just Bradley, but for the Rays, because they need to figure out this rotation. And at some point, they're going to have to trade some of their young prospects, as good as they've been so far, but they're going to have to trade some of these guys to you know, basically you know, bail themselves out. I mean, it would have to be an incredible slide to not make the playoffs, but if they're going to compete in the postseason, they can't do it with their current rotation. I have answers to the number eight seed making the NBA Finals. I'm going to make you guess. I talk, so, I talk so long you found all these things. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to make you guess, though, on the other side of the break. I'll provide oh, some hints. This is this is so unfair. I mean, you make me look like an idiot. Not I'm already, at all. I'm, I'm also prepared to be like, how did I not remember that you know, type of answer to whoever this is? Okay. I should know this. I, yeah, I, I feel like I should know this, but I'm just, you know, not not be answering the question properly <laughs> 602-260-1060 it's also the number if you'd like to hop aboard and join the program we'll get into this and some more uh, miscellaneous topics on the other side of the break it is the extra point hour number two on this thursday may 18th check out kdus am 1060 on 100.7 kslx hd2 that's right, HD Radio on 100.7, channel number two. AM 
AM 1060, as always, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to join the program. So as we were going to break, uh, it was, dis- uh, you know, I discovered who, in fact, was the only eight seed to advance to the NBA Finals as the Miami Heat are trying to become the second team to ever do that here. So, Bob, here are my helpful suggestions yeah. here. Okay. Uh, I, I have a bottle of water to throw against the wall here when it's, the answer is revealed and I'm upset with myself. So I'm ready to go. Okay. Uh, the year was 1999. Okay. All right. This isn't yeah. <laughs> the team that uh, defeated the other team in the Eastern Conference Finals to make it to the NBA Finals was the Indiana Pacers. Okay, this is I'm not doing well so far. <laughs> okay, the team that played in the finals lost to the Spurs. Oh, 1999. Mm-hmm. The Knicks. Yep, there you go. The New okay, York Knicks. Okay, that was Knicks. a Spreewell. That was a Spreewell team. Yeah. Okay, I get it. I remember actually watching part of that series at Harry Carey's Bar in Chicago. So that's why I remember that finals. Yeah, so okay. the New York Knicks became. Well, I feel, yeah, I would have never guessed them. I would have never gotten this. So I feel better about the whole situation. <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> All right, so to recap here in 1999, the New York Knicks defeated the Indiana Pacers in the Eastern Conference Finals. That victory propelled them to be the first and only eight seed to advance wow. to the NBA Finals. Uh, that was a I Jeff. Don't remember, I don't remember that Pacers series at all. So, wow. That was a Jeff Van Gundy coach team. Oh, yeah, I remember that part. Well, I know now that you mentioned it. I knew he was still the guy. You know, as soon as I did the chronology, you know, I knew he was coaching the finals. Yeah, you know, I, I remember that part. But, yeah. Okay. Like I said, I would have never gotten this in a million years. So, uh, so but it, it, with that point, since the uh, play-in is so new, uh, the Miami Heat would be the first to do it as an eight seed and also having to uh, be a part of the play-in games as well. Uh, so we'll get into, obviously, more around the Eastern Conference here as that rolls on. Sticking and with, the Lakers are a seven seed, too, right now, currently. That, you're right, actually. I kind of forgot about that because uh, they yeah. got off to yeah. such a terrible start to the year and then their team completely transformed at the trade deadline and they should have lost their first playing game to minnesota (laughs) that's also short hit the shorthanded timberwolves that's the game that go bear didn't play and their first game after you know the dude punched the wall and he was out they were lucky to win that game that's true Uh, and now look at them just rolling right along uh, they will yeah. face, though, the Nuggets, so I don't know if rolling might be coming to a stop here. We'll, I guess, determine that on the other side of the break. Sticking Professionally with... speaking, I think we need to root for the Nuggets tonight. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, Actually, no, I should rephrase that. Personally speaking, I'm not a Lakers fan, and after I trashed him for six months, I'd look pretty stupid if they ended up doing great, so... Yeah, you know, as far as the personally speaking, and I don't really have any money on this, uh, but yeah, I hope the Nuggets win. But professionally speaking, just to make the the show better, it's it, every series is best if it goes seven seven games. So then we need to root for uh, the Lakers then, so that it's all tied up one one going back to L.A. That's true, but yeah, you know, unless your you know your heart, if you have a heart, which is you know, questionable whether I have a heart. 
uh, you know, that, that, that plays a role. If, whether, if that plays a role or not, yeah, then I'm rooting for the Nuggets because I really don't want the Lakers to be playing forever. Uh, sticking with the NBA world here, Sham Sharinia and uh, Anthony Slater reporting that Warriors president of basketball operations Bob Myers has had no substantial contract extension talks in months and that the sides are bracing for Myers to be walking away from the franchise. It would likely mean Mike Dunleavy, Dunleavy Jr. Uh, as the Ooh. successor to Myers if he does walk away. But this is something that has been talked about in exit interviews that Steve Kerr is even quoted as saying like Bob Myers is the first and foremost important thing that we get figured out as a team and as a franchise Steve Kerr's contract he said that's you know way down the line it's it's not of importance right now and then obviously trying to figure out uh, how to continue to construct this team and, and whether or not it's time that there's an end of an era for the Warriors yeah, well, Kerr even talked about the you know, Myers situation before he was even asked. Last Friday night when they got eliminated by the Lakers, you know that he brought that up you know, almost. Well, actually, the first thing he did is he complimented the Lakers. But like next on the list, if I remember the chronology of events here, was him talking about the Myers situation definitely before he was even asked about it. Uh, where, where does he go if he doesn't stay with the Warriors? I think is an interesting question here. Well, I'm curious if he stays in basketball or if there's other opportunities for him that's elsewhere. True. Yep, I think that's a really good point. I mean, he's got uh, a lot of stuff going on before he was the Warriors, uh, you know, whatever his title is with the Warriors, whether it's you know, general manager, so to speak. Uh, so, you know, he did a bunch of stuff before that. So, you know, he has choices, I'm assuming, that uh, if he wants to do something else. And it's funny because we had just kind of discovered the Clippers and their general manager being Michael Winger. Well, Adrian Wojnarowski reporting here yesterday that he's emerging as the top candidate to oversee the Washington Wizards basketball operations. So that would potentially have him be somebody moving on and the plethora of people that have something to say about the, the Clippers and their organization uh, would be down a man. That, yeah, but I don't think that's a big deal because you know he's really not the guy that's you know, you know making the personal decisions as we determined yesterday. As another update from Woj, and we're trying to sort through who the Phoenix Suns might be hiring as their next head coach. It was reported yesterday by Chris Haynes that uh, there's supposed to be talks with assistant coach Kevin Young next week. Woj is now reporting that the Suns are gathering permission to talk to several other assistant coaches. You have Kings, Jordy Fernandez, Bucks, Charles Lee, and Grizzlies, Darko Rajokovic. Yeah, I'm not really familiar with any of those guys, quite frankly. Um, you know, I did say this yesterday. I'll just repeat it. If you're going to hire Young, why'd you fire Monty Williams? So that's his guy. So uh, just, uh, I just think that would be an odd move. Let's put it that way. My only counter to that, trying to come up with like an idea of why you might, is that Kevin Young has a different... Uh, prescription for how things should be run offensively or how things should be run defensively. And so his voice, obviously not being the head coach, was uh, 
not allowed to come forward. So maybe understanding uh, the organization and then what his different philosophies would be is a reason why they would turn in that direction. That's just my only kind of thought process because otherwise he's of the same mold. He's been on the staff. Uh, it, it is a little bit of a head scratcher. Yeah, I, I, that's a good point. I, I mean, I'm not really sure. I probably should know this, but I don't. But I'm not really sure how the inner working between Williams and the coaching staff you know, worked or didn't work, I guess, in this case. Uh, but at least for Williams, it didn't work out. I think the bottom line is, though, no matter who, no matter who is the guy, that uh, they need better players uh, because the general manager has completely screwed up the situation as far as their bench. And once again, I'm not blaming James Jones for the Kevin Durant play, uh, trade because that was something that was, I think it's safe to say, forced on him by the ownership. You know, we had this conversation and I asked you yesterday if there's a bit of just impatience happening. And you said that impatience is kind of happening in all of professional sports, which led me to think, you know, if impatience is happening, uh, would there be this philosophy shift in not hiring head coaches who have just kind of been passed around? Would you go in the direction of somebody new, fresh blood? Um, I'm just curious, though, looking at these names here of who Woj is reporting at, does a name like this, though, kind of underwhelm? Because if you fire Monty Williams, I guess you're expecting a splash. But do we know what splash really is? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Yeah, I do think it's intriguing. I'm intrigued about the Calvin Sampson interviewing with the Milwaukee Bucks situation. And Sampson, while he, I think, uh, let's put it this way, uh, yeah, obviously broke many NCAA rules when he was at Oklahoma and Indiana uh, and seemed to be kind of a shady character because of that. Maybe that's inaccurate, but I think there's certainly uh, you know, NCAA you know, evidence that uh, he didn't think, do things uh, by the book. Uh, the, 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 but the fact that he's been an assistant coach in the NBA a couple of times, including with the Bucks uh, back in the Scott Skiles days, and uh, the fact that Houston, he, he did a really good job at Houston. And I, don't, I have never disputed Calvin Sampson's in-game basketball coaching. And really just the basketball coaching stuff itself, just all the, the rules violations and completely almost seemingly ignoring uh, obvious rules violations from the NCAA. But he's a really good basketball coach. I also think that it's interesting that his name now pops up because Houston's leaving the Mickey Mouse AAC and joining the big time Big 12, uh, that's gonna—they're not gonna win a million games anymore. Whether he's the guys, you know, he's the best coach in the world, or they have great players, they're gonna win far fewer games. They're not gonna be a number one seed unless they somehow beat Kansas and all, you know, Baylor and everybody else in the Big 12. But uh, I, I, do, I do find it intriguing that he's being mentioned here and. The man can coach the game. There's no doubt about that. Speaking of the game, we have more NBA questions to get into. We dive into the poll questions next, Lakers and Nuggets, as well as Heat and Celtics. Still time for you to cast your vote, and we'll answer on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com, and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Recommend that you download the KDOS 1060 app, register, and get yourself eligible for the opportunity 
at a $100 gift certificate brought to you by Superbook Sports. Poll question time is next. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today. Download the KTUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open KTUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day. Eleven forty-two here on KDOS AM ten sixty. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Our uh, our concentration turns to the KDOS ten sixty dot com poll question right now. So let's get into it. Who do you have ATS in game two? That's tonight. Lakers and Nuggets five thirty p.m. Lakers plus five and a half, and Nuggets minus five and a half. Okay, first up, I appreciate the, the fact that you believe that I can apparently concentrate on something like this. So that's good. That's a good start. Um, I, I'm on, I'm, you know, I'm kind of searching for the best number, even though, you know, since we started, uh, or at least in the last two hours at some point, I'm not exactly sure when. This number is pretty much five everywhere now. There are, you know, I only see one five and a half in Las Vegas, in fact, or in Nevada at this point. So, you know, I was actually, you know, just kind of hoping maybe it would go back to six. Uh, you know, clearly dropped the ball. This number opened six and a half, but I didn't drop the ball that much because they're, they're, there's probably a handful of people, so to speak, in the world that got the, a good, got the six because this number went from six and a half to like five and a half, like boom, like that. Uh, so maybe I don't like. I don't think I had an opportunity to do that from the places that I would have some access to. Uh, but uh, the fact I, I, I'm looking for the best number with the Nuggets. Let's put it this way. Um, I would have I would have hoped it was more than five. I'll probably end up laying a five if I have to because I don't have access to the one place I know in the world right now that's sitting at five and a half. That's the Mirage in Las Vegas, by the way. Actually, I kind of do have access for that, but it'd be a complete pain in the butt for the person that could be able to bet that for me. So I wouldn't uh, force him to go do that unless he was already doing it. <laughs> so there might be a phone call at the end of the show. But anyway, bottom line, I'm looking for the best number possible for Denver, even though I was hoping it'd be a little better number for, for, me, for the Lakers in that game tonight. Uh, so for me, I mean, the the Nuggets and what they're doing at home is certainly incredibly uh, impressive in these playoffs. And, and yes, I know that there was success putting Rui on Jokic, and, and that certainly helped. But I'd have to think that Denver, if, if the, the Lakers are going to do that, Denver's going to be ready with their own type of counter to that. So there's going to be adjustments that are made. Jokic is just really, really good. Uh, I mean, 12 rebounds in the first quarter he ends up with 14 assists another triple double in the playoffs uh you know i know that he can have an off night here and there but everything runs through him it does seem like uh the players are really embracing the 
playoff atmosphere at home. Winning by six does seem like a lot here. I do think, though, the Nuggets win this game and go up to 2-0. I'm not confident, though, in the five-and-a-half number. Okay, that sounds fair. Um, I'll just add another thing. It's not just playoffs at home. It's not just the playoffs at home. They haven't lost a home game since March. Uh, in their regular season record, in the home, re- in the postseason record, what is it like, 40 and nine or something like that for the entire season? Uh, so they definitely have a home court advantage. Whether it's altitude, I think it really is altitude during the regular season, but I think it's less altitude in the playoffs than it is during the regular season. I think that kind of dies off some. But my also my last thing or two more quick things. I just don't think the Nuggets are going to score 132 and shoot 55% against the Lakers' defense, which is legitimately really good as currently constructed since they made the trade deadline additions and subtraction from Westbrook. Uh, yeah, their their defense, that was something that they certainly relied on. Um, you know, we had talked a lot about the Lakers' length in that Warriors series, but obviously uh, that isn't necessarily a strength in this series. Correct. And, and that's partly because yeah, Aaron Gordon and Porter, you know, they have yeah. big dudes. Uh, so it's not just the center position when we get to the link thing and Murray, too. Uh, so I mean, he's not you know, you know, hugely tall, but I mean, he's you know, got post up skills and takes advantage of his physical ability uh, in a lot of matchups. But uh, that would be another thing to see how, you know, the Lakers match up against Murray. And how you know Murray matchups matches up against the Lakers? I am certain one thing for sure, though, that there is no chance that Murray is going to be on LeBron, whether it be straight up or in a switching situation. He's going to be on LeBron far less than he was the other night. The masses are on the Nuggets minus five and a half at seventy percent of the vote. Lakers plus five and a half at thirty percent. This is KDOS1060.com's poll question. Flipping this on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060. Do you now expect the Heat to win the series against the Celtics? So I really thought that the Heat had a great chance of coming into last night's game and getting game one. So for me, that wasn't a massive surprise. Uh, I do think the word choice that you have here, expect, is a bit of a leap for me. Uh, The Celtics are still a really good team. And, uh, you know, they have the ability to go off at any moment. Jason Tatum can put up 51 points, right? So uh, I don't think that I can get there with the term expect the heat to win the series obviously it, it does seem like at this point the celtics have to kind of overcome some of the coaching that they have and some of the decisions that are made rotation wise etc uh but again the heat are still going to have to knock down shots they're still going to have to hit threes at a percentage that they have been hitting them at so i'm not ready to go that far yet i am uh, and I have a completely different viewpoint before last night's game. Uh, I wasn't, well, I'm obviously a big fan of the Heat and Spolster and, you know, and Butler and, and Bam, etc. cetera. Um, I was, you know, wondering until last night whether their advancement to this point was because they played the Bucks and, you know, Giannis went down the first, first quarter of the first game of that series. Then even when he came back, he was clearly not 100%. 
And then they played the lame Knicks, who I think almost anybody in this playoffs, except for Cleveland, could have beaten in a playoff series. In fact, you can make a case that anybody in the playoffs would have won a round against the Knicks, except for Cleveland. Uh, so I don't know why, and, and, and actually thought Cleveland would beat the Knicks, but the Knicks suck. Uh, and uh, the fact that they actually made it to the second round just speaks you know, very little of Cleveland. So I wasn't really sure how good Miami was. Uh, and then, you know, last night happened. The, the only way I think that the Celtics win this series is if they actually fire their coach during this series, which is never going to happen. But they, they are such at a coaching, coaching disadvantage in this series. I don't remember. I'm going to talk to a couple of my NBA friends who – would have a you know a quick answer to this and a better answer than I'm providing right now. I don't remember a playoff series that's had more of a coaching mismatch, certainly in the conference finals, than this one. The masses, they're on the yes side of things at 54.5% of the vote. No trailing at 45.5%. This is on Twitter, at KDOSAM1060, uh, for you to cast your vote. Once again, Western Conference Finals, Lakers-Nuggets tonight, 5.30 p.m., and the Nuggets have a 1-0 series lead. We wrap up this Thursday, May 18th edition of Extra Point on the other side of the break. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you, as always here on KDOS AM 1060, online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. One final segment to go next. Your caddy, Ray Adams, takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS AM 1060. online at kdos1060.com and with the kdos 1060 app powered by superbook sports bob it's that time once again it is thank you time as always we thank you for listening special thanks to the callers emailers tweeters texters whomever and whatever else for the cracks also our guest today we had lakers and nuggets discussion with harrison fagan of silver screen and roll Sound of the day, courtesy of ESPN, TNT, Bally Sports Arizona, and also Spectrum Sports Net. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. Up next, from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports Who with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6, and paving the way, ASU Baseball. They're entering their final regular season uh, series of the weekend. They're taking on UCLA. That gets started tonight, pregame 
645. First pitch at 7 o'clock, Tim Healy on the call. KDOS AM 1060, KDOS1060.com, and KDOS 1060 app. Your places to uh, listen to that game. When it comes to figuring out what's next, next week is the Pac-12 tournament. Right now, ASU baseball finds themselves in the fifth seed. There are so many teams bunched together that we really do have to wait until everything unfolds this weekend to figure out where uh, ASU baseball will slot themselves into that Pac-12 tournament that's being played here in Scottsdale. Uh, So that's all coming up here on KDUS AM 1060 tonight. Bob, there was a a massive amount of freakout last night, and that was because YouTube TV apparently stopped working during the final few minutes of the Heat and Celtics game. Wow. Yeah, that's a problem. Uh, Just stopped working. And, of course, naturally. Joe Mazzulla must have been in charge of that. (laughs) So that's that's the way I look at that. Let's blame him for that, too. Half of America couldn't watch the game. Uh, There you go. But this immediately sparked concerns because YouTube TV, the new home for the NFL Sunday ticket. So Mm -hmm. people want assurances, guarantees that games that they're going to be paying top premium dollar for are going to go on uninterrupted. Uh, So certainly this is something that YouTube TV is going to have to address moving forward. (laughs) Yeah, seems like legitimate concern from the don't piss off the NFL fans. That's like a rule number one in sports life these days. And I don't know if you saw this bit of news. Pat McAfee's on the move again. He's moving to ESPN. His show will be on ESPN, ESPN Plus, and as well as the ESPN YouTube channel. Yeah. Is Aaron Rodgers still going to be on there? That's kind of like what he's known for, right? Well, at least what he became that we referred to most, at least as far as the McAfee show. So uh, I assume that uh, that was part of the driving force is that uh, there's the, the assumption is maybe they've already had some kind of agreement that Rodgers will continue to make his weekly appearance. I think it was weekly. It was. On the McAfee show, even though he's changed organizations. Well, there is certainly uh, some questions because McAfee, you know, has like Ian Rappaport on a lot. Uh, he has Shams on a lot. And the affiliations there, not with ESPN. So will any of that change in how he goes about delivering his show? Still time for all of that to get figured out. The A.J. Hawk factor there, too, right? I mean, he was the reason that Rodgers was on her to start with, I believe. So A.J. Hawk Hawk is coming aboard. He's he's going with. I did read that part. He was a tremendous player. Good dude, it appears, also A.J. Hawk. Scotty Scheffler has found his way atop of the leaderboard. Keegan Bradley, Corey Connors as well. Three under par as the PGA Championship round number one is underway. Thanks for listening to The Extra Point. Have yourselves a fantastic Thursday. We do it all again tomorrow.